Kawhi Leonard played nine games for the San Antonio Spurs this past season, dealing with some sort of leg injury we never heard too much about. Still 25 points, seven boards, and four assists a game. An elite, elite player, and he is, pending this trade getting done, a Toronto Raptor. Welcome to Toronto Today. Thanks for being with us. Be it uh, on the radio, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the TSN app, which is delightful, or the iHeartRadio app, equally delightful with bigger graphics. Love it. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate your time. Of course, we're going to talk a ton about the Raptors, about Kawhi Leonard, about the reaction to it, about the fact that they're going, they're both going to be in USA basketball camp next week together with Greg Popovich coaching. That's going to be good times. Uh, Kawhi, I'm not a big talker, so maybe they won't exchange too many words. Uh, talk about the great places to live and how, what Toronto's going to be like. Hey, how good is the Riverwalk in San Antonio? All that good stuff. But if you're a Raptors fan, you have to be deliriously excited about this. If you're a Raptors broadcaster like the great Jack Armstrong, you have to be deliriously excited with how much you're going to get to watch Kawhi Leonard. Jack Armstrong joins us on the phone. Your your first thoughts when you heard this deal is is done. DT, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm 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 starting the lineup to kiss Masai Ujiri when he gets back to this <laughs> continent because I love this news. Well, it, you know, it, it's obviously uh, uh, one deal that obviously kind of like uh, what Sam Presti did in Oklahoma City last year, trading for Paul George as a one-year rental. It's a risk versus reward, and I think uh, obviously the risk is the signability issue and the health issue. The reward is, uh, in my opinion, you're getting the best player in the trade. I mean, if he's able to give you 75 games, uh, I think he's the best player in the trade. So, you, you, you know, that, from that, you, you, you look at it and you just say, you know what, you feel like you got to do something. I, I don't think it'd be a wise thing to show up in Vancouver in late September for training camp and have the same roster. I mean, you fired a, the coach who uh, won you 59 games, first seed, uh, selected two different times for the coach of the year last year, and you got to use a lot of political capital to make that decision uh, with your ownership group. And to go into camp with the same roster and just basically changing the, the coach with the top assistant I think is something that uh, you need to change the narrative a little bit. And to me, with LeBron going west, uh, you need to send a firm message in your own conference to teams like Boston and Philadelphia and Miami and Milwaukee and Indiana and others that the, the Raptors are playing for keeps. And I think this move is bold. Uh, there's another word I could use with another B. Uh, I'm not sure if I could use it on the radio, but, I mean, it, it's a – it's that kind of move. But I think when you're trying to win at all, you've got to do things like this. And I think when you look at the Leafs signing John Tavares, there's a lot of cup discussion now, but a lot of discussion about going deep into the spring. And I think for the Raptors, that's what you're in business for. You've had a great five-year run. And Masai Ujiri is firmly telling people uh, that they're going to go for it. And, you know, it might be a short-term thing. It might be a long-term thing. But I admire it. It's bold. 
The, the, the B word you were going for was ballsy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Ballsy. But I don't know if I'm allowed to use that uh, or not. I figured, I figured I would wait for you so we could capture your soundbite, <laughs> and then I would throw out the ballsy okay. for you. there you go. Hey, because when you go back, and uh, you've, you've been watching the NBA for, for, quite a, for a long time, go back to 1980 through today and try to find a team that, that did not have a top five player in the NBA and won a title. And if there's anybody that's not the 4 Pistons, every other team had elite, elite players. So I don't know, I don't know if that's causation or it's just... You know, it's great to have them, but guys like Kawhi do not come available often. And that the Raptors were able to get him is is incredible. Well, uh, you, you look at resume, and DeMar DeRozan's had a fabulous career with the Raptors. And the Raptors have had their best run the last five years. And I, I respect and admire and, and appreciate all that he's done. You look at the resume of a Kawhi Leonard... He's won a championship, he's got a ring on his finger, and he was the finals MVP. So I think when you look at uh, the, the, the pedigree, and again, you know, health is an issue. We'll see how that all shakes out. I'm sure they've done the extensive homework on it. But if he's able to give you 75 games and play in the spring, uh, I feel like you've you got to try to do something different to get yourself over the hump. And with LeBron... Moving to the Western Conference, you're getting a guy There's an outstanding two-way player uh, that can really help your team. And, you know, you give up Jakob Pertl, who's a fine young player and a protected pick, which, again, the fact that it's protected is a good thing. Uh, to me, I think it's a move that you had to make. And you also get a Danny Green who, you know, with the way the game's being played right now, he's another guy that can shoot the ball. Uh, so you improve your perimeter look, and quite frankly, uh, you know, the way it's being played, you, you give up a young big who's a good young player, but I think you get the best of the two top players, and I think the, the style of play you want to play, I think, fits more with Leonard and Green than it would with DeRozan and Pirtle. Are you surprised that OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, uh, did not have to be included in this trade? Are you surprised with, 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 with what the Raptors had to give up for such a good player? No, uh, because mm. uh, I, I think every day the clock ticked, it helped Toronto. It also helped a Boston or Philly or whoever else wanted to jump in on the deal because San Antonio's boxed in. And, you know, you look at the deal that Indiana did last year, uh, I thought they did a really good deal. And you look at where they're at right now, and, and based upon their moves this summer, Indiana's going to be a really good team next year. And, uh, you know, I think they, they were boxed in by Paul George. Oklahoma City swung for the fences, and it worked out for them. I mean, all the quote-unquote experts said that Paul George was going to L.A. Well, he's in Oklahoma City because money talks. And to me, you know, there's a lot of discussion about who exactly is Kawhi Leonard listening to and all that. But let me tell you something. Next, next summer, when they all look at each other, Kawhi Leonard and his people, and there's an extra, quote-unquote, theoretically $50 million on the table right there, and you're an agent getting 4% of that $50 million, uh, and now you're saying, well, the Lakers want me or the Clippers want me. Good for them. But there's an extra $50 million sitting on a table for everybody. Uh, that's a lot. And to me, I, I think the Raptors are willing to 
take the risk and say their organizational setup is really good. Uh, and this is a tremendous market, and it's the third largest market in pro sports. And with all due respect to L.A., uh, it's L.A., and they're the second largest market. But Toronto's a big-time market where every game's on national TV. And, you know, I think it's a bigger deal here uh, in terms of the quest for an opportunity to get to the finals, mm. which has already been accomplished in L.A. many, many times. Jack, Ra- Jack Armstrong, our Raptors analyst, with us. Five-year, $190 million, just to fill in Jack's numbers, the Raptors could offer him after this season. Any team acquiring him or picking up as a free agent could offer him four years and $141 million. So, I mean, he would sign after that, presumably, but that's $50 million in real money on the first contract you get in free agency. That's... That's a real that's a real deal. Jack, this is my theory about why Kawhi apparently today has said he does not want to go to Toronto. I think Toronto is perfect for him. Well, but, no, has he been quoted as saying that oh, or someone else has said it? Have you ever heard, have you even heard the guy's voice in your lifetime? Well, that's my point. Yeah. I, I think the fact that people are saying that, uh, I don't necessarily buy that. I, I you know, I I Paul George again, I I, I just think that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are really smart guys, as are R.C. Buford and, and, and Coach Popovich. And I think these are uh, guys with integrity and do their due diligence, and they know what's going on on the other side of the table. So the San Antonio guys kind of knew what they wanted to extract, and the, the Toronto guys knew what they wanted to extract. But they've all done their due diligence you don't think San Antonio's done their research on DeRozan and Pirtle? You don't think Masai and Bobby have done their research on Danny Green and Kawhi and who the actors behind the scenes are, particularly with Kawhi? I mean, they know where the bodies are buried. These guys, it's what they do for a living. I mean, you know, so to me, the fact, I haven't heard Kawhi Leonard say that. So some reporter saying that is probably the same reporter that said, it was a slam dunk that Paul George would go to L.A. this summer, and that report is wrong. So I feel comfortable with the fact that when this guy gets to play in Toronto and experiences a year under his belt, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think people, when they think about, oh, I have to cross the 49th, uh, it's, it's Canada, Ugh. but well, I Toronto's a different deal. I don't know if this... You know, I just finished my 20th season. I guess this is the start of my 21st season. And there's a lot of ignorance out there, DT. And there's a lot of people out there that think that, you know, people in Toronto live in igloos and it snows 365 days a year. I mean, they're clueless. But the opportunity that when they have a chance to finally spend time here and have a chance to really get to know what the market's about, it's one of the great markets in the NBA. So to me, mm-hmm. I feel very confident if, if I'm a salesman and, and I'm recruiting and trying to retain a player, if I'm Masai Ujiri, I'm like, hey, my situation's as good as anybody else's, and I'll, you know, I'll stack it up here. Maybe the Lakers have banners and Toronto doesn't, but beyond that, uh, you know, let's, let's bring it on. And I like this. This is like, hey, you're, they're going for it. And, you know, again, when you look at John Tavares signing with the Leafs, I think that's awesome. It's bold. Go for it. Yeah. And I think we're in the business of trying to win, so let's, let's swing for the fences here. I think the perception of Canada plays in the, Raptors, in the Raptors' favor with a guy like Kawhi because he does not want any attention. 
Like he's got a shoe deal with the Jordan brand. Uh, they were negotiating a new one. They said, "Hey, we need you to do more PR." He said, "I don't want to." He does not want to. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't want cameras on him. And you know, I mean, you know what happens on ESPN when the rat when it's anything involving the Raptors? Nothing, because they're talking about the Lakers and they're talking about LeBron. They don't talk about the Raptors. This is perfect. He could. I mean, at least to the American world, he could hide. And I think for Kawhi, that's exactly what he wants. He well, would find it here in Toronto. Well, DT, you know, and, and on the other hand, we're, we're a national brand. Mm-hmm. You know, all across Canada. I Best mean, of both worlds. It, it's a big deal. And uh, I think, you know, he hasn't lived that and experienced that. Go to training camp in Vancouver and play an exhibition game in Montreal where those games are preseason games that are sold out. And, you know, the excitement of the ACC and, uh, you know, and, and in a conference where he's going to have a legitimate chance, uh, if everything goes right, to get to the NBA Finals. I mean, there's a lot of good competition in the conference. It's no slam dunk by any means. But, you know, and, and on the other side of it, you have the U.S. Uh, media machine, a.k.a. ESPN, that obviously for their own benefit wants a super team in L.A., because they've been, they're part of the investment of nine years, $24 billion U.S. In a, in a TV deal. They want maximum ratings and eyeballs in the big markets. So, of course, they're going to say and do everything possible to try to influence either directly or indirectly the movement of players to markets that benefit their investment. So at the end of the day, uh, Paul George was part of that as well, and he decided to stay in Oklahoma City. So... I think if you're Sam Presti uh, and you're looking at this deal in Oklahoma City right now, you're saying, I was inside Masai Ujiri's head, uh, and I can, relate, I can relate to what he did. And again, you fire the NBA head coach, the coach of the year, you know, you got to be a little bold. You're, you're, you're making a statement that you, you want another notch, whether that's a correct decision or incorrect decision. That's not here for debate right now. The debate is... Are you going for it or not? And I feel like he is, and I like it. Yeah, he's shooting his shot. You love to see it. Uh, I got 30 seconds, Jack. Uh, will the Raptors be better in the regular season than they were last year? Will they go further in the playoffs than they did last year? Two questions there. I don't. I, I won't I hold you to anything. I won't no, hold I, you to anything. I think it's going to be really difficult to win 59 games again. I think the East is going to be better. Even though LeBron's not around, I think they'll be better balanced. So I don't think they'll be as good, but I think they're going to be much better equipped by the time April 15th rolls around and the coaching of Nick Nurse and the familiarity, when, when that all works itself through, and if they're healthy April 15th and beyond, I'm, I feel very confident that this group can play with anybody in the conference for a chance to win the East and go to the NBA Finals. Jack, I'm so happy about this. I'm kissing, I'm kissing Masai, and next time I see you, you're getting a giant bear hug. I'm so happy about this move. <laughs> All right, DT, my pleasure. All right, Jack Armstrong, our great NBA analyst, a Raptors analyst, uh, joining us here on Toronto Today to talk about Kawhi Leonard. We're going to keep talking Kawhi Leonard. Bottom of the clock, we'll talk about the Open Championship, which starts tomorrow, or if you will, at 1.35 a.m., so late tonight. Watch some golf on TSN, and how fantastic is that? But yes, the big news is that an MVP caliber player coming to your Toronto Raptors. This is Toronto Today. Squeezing in just a smidge of NFL news, Darrell Revis, Revis Island, announcing his retirement on this day. Uh, sure, Hall of Famer, first ballot, 
just destroyed receivers for so many years, and then uh, as quickly as he became great, he just it just dropped off at the end of his career. Uh, Darrell Rebus, one of the great cover corners in the history of the NFL, announcing his retirement after, I believe it was, an 11-year career. So, Rebus Island will be missed. It is 11.20 on Toronto Today. It's time for a sound war. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. We combed through 365 days of audio to find the best clips that you heard right here on TSN 1050. It is a Sound Wars battle in the, oh my goodness, conference. It couldn't have just been the OMG conference. Who writes this stuff? That's a lot of syllables. Come on now. The number three seed is the ref's an idiot. Vasquez takes it quickly. And- oh! No, the ref's lagging outside. How is he not giving it? Vasquez gets right in his face. Pumps the ref. I'm going to send him off now. All right. Was that Wheeler going bonkers? Oh, man. That's all right. All right. The uh, Let's hear the number six seed. The Kansas City voice crack. The ball comes out. The ball has come out. Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Kings, with a touchdown for Kansas City. <laughs> oh, Monday Night Football at its finest. I, I have I have nothing but the biggest esteem for our own Chris Cuthbert. There's a there's a couple moments every year where his voice will crack just like that. It's it's, it's amazing. So that is the three versus six matchup. I gotta tell you. Uh, the ref's an idiot is solid, but the, I, I love the voice cracks. I love the voice cracks, but it's up to you. TSN1050.ca, click on Sound Wars and vote for your favorite. You like the ref's an idiot or the Kansas City voice crack. Voting for this Sound War will close at 3 p.m. So you got three and a half hours plus. Then listen to Overdrive later today for the results and the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Oh boy, 11.22 now on Toronto Today. Will Gray from GolfChannel.com will join us in about 20 minutes from now. We're going to talk about all things British Open. And uh, Mark Zacchino was on with us yesterday talking about how hard-packed it was. And if you get an over-under on the longest drive, take well in excess of 400 yards. I can't wait to see that. We'll talk about Spieth, what his deal is, where he's gone since... You know, a good run at the decent run at the Masters finishes third, but just has fallen off a cliff since then. Tiger's chances, I I'm not on the Tiger train whatsoever. But yes, most of the talk today is going to be about Kawhi Leonard. Where you have Bobby Marks of ESPN for just after the top of the clock. Bobby is their front office insider. He is their salary cap specialist, so he'll be able to tell talk us through. You know, when Kawhi arrives in Toronto at the end of the season, what his options will be, what the Raptors' options will be, all sorts of things. He'll break down the trade for us, give us all his stuff. So, yes, ESPN's Bobby Mark's going to join us uh, in the 12 o'clock hour. Also, um, Ottawa Senators Associate Coach Mark Crawford joining us on Toronto today. So, let's let's just dig into Kawhi for just a second because... There is this perception, and and you've seen it, especially in the NBA, and if you've been a Raptors fan since day one, you've noticed the number of non-North American players the Raptors have had on their team, and that there's no way that's an accident. There's absolutely no way that's an accident. Andrea Bargnani, 
the Bargnani years, we're all trying to forget those because yikes. But there's no, I mean, they draft an Italian kid because he doesn't live and die by ESPN like, like an American kid would. So there's been this perception, of, oh, Toronto, it's, you cross that border, it's Canada. It's not America, it's Canada. Even if you take the drive, say, from Fargo, North Dakota to Winnipeg, you're going to a city ten times its size, but it's Canada. Ugh, I'd rather be, you'd rather be in Fargo. Think about how bad that is. You'd rather be in Fargo than Winnipeg. That is, that's not great. That is a misperception of what's going on up here. But Jack Armstrong says it best. It, the third biggest market in the NBA. You want a big city? Toronto's a big city. Toronto has everything you want. You want a vibrant downtown? Toronto's got it. You like walking past homeless people? You, gotta, you have $190 million on a five-year contract, and you want to live near the water in the biggest condo you could possibly imagine? Toronto's got it. Toronto also has the dearth of attention from the American media. How many times did, did you jump on Twitter and say, is, is ESPN ever going to pay attention to the Raptors? Are they ever going to talk about us on the low post? And to be fair to Zach Lowe, they do a tremendous job on that podcast, and they did talk about the Raptors. But there's so little Raptors talk. It's like there's 29 teams and then this other one. They won 59 games. They're the number one seed in the East. Were they getting prime spots in the playoff? No. Prime TV spots? No. You know, they got relegated to NBA TV, I think. I th- I'm going to say once. So it wasn't, wasn't the worst they've ever been treated. But they just don't think of the Raptors in the same way that they think of literally anybody else. There will always be the special cases. They'll always be the Knicks. They'll always be the Lakers. They'll always be the Celtics. And they'll always be whatever team LeBron is on. And, of course, they'll always be, well, there will... For now, be Golden State till that all breaks up sometime in the next decade. But, I mean, they would rather talk about Sacramento than the Raptors for some ungodly reason. And that plays right into the Raptors' hands when it comes to Kawhi Leonard. Literally, have you ever heard Kawhi's voice? If you told me you've been watching the NBA for 10 years and that you had never heard Kawhi Leonard's voice, I 100% believe you. He is no way wants to talk to the media. He doesn't want attention. We, you start to wonder. Think about the last year. He played nine games for San Antonio. He's going through all the problems with what is thought to be a thigh injury, but no one's really sure because he's not talking. His people aren't talking. His uncle is talking to people, it seemed like, on background, you know, I don't know what role his uncle plays. It's if, if you're a fan, of, I'm a huge fan of Brooklyn. Producer Joe, join me for one second, if if you could. Uh, do you watch the show Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yes, I do. You know how Rosa. No one knows anything about her. Jake. Says I know three things about Rosa, and one of them is that she won't let anybody in her house. Exactly, and she's like cold, stone face, just completely quiet. Kawhi Leonard is the Rosa Diaz of the NBA. You don't know a thing about him. Uh, San Diego State, braids, super giant hands, because he would once in a while pose that photo where his hand was threatening to, you know, crush Tokyo. You don't know. Last time you heard his voice, over under 18 months. I honestly don't know. I don't even really can't, I can't put a voice to Kawhi Leonard. If he sounded just like Woody Harrelson on Cheers, you'd be like, oh, okay, that, that very well could be. If he sounded like a complete surfer dude, he's from the Los Angeles area. 
You'd buy that. Went to San Diego. You, you, you would buy that. If he sounded like Donald Trump, you'd be like, yep, okay, sure. Because you have nothing to, nothing to the contrary. Does this make Masai Ujiri Captain Holt? Oh, Raymond Holt. Raymond Jacob Holt. That's, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I never heard Ray Holt say F Brooklyn, so maybe not. He probably isn't allowed to. That would be <laughs> his jurisdiction. Uh, gosh, that's such a great show. I was so happy that it, uh, that it got picked up. It's, it's moving on. Uh, that will play. The fact that ESPN doesn't think much about Canada, I think, will play right into their hands. I think when Kawhi gets here, he's going to love it. Oh, what? ESPN doesn't want to talk to me every day? I, they don't want me on the jump with Rachel Nichols because I'm in Toronto? That'll be fantastic. And you can make all the money. And it's $190 million U.S. And so there's a 30% premium on your salary. Because that twenty million, that fifteen million dollar, I don't. You can tell I don't know what condos cost. Fifteen million dollar condo only costs you like ten million bucks because you're used to, you're paying American prices. You're loving it. He will love it. And then look at the team they're left with. They're only sending out Demar, and I, I say only Demar because this package could have been more. Uh, we should have nothing but love for what Demar did for the Raptors. Demar Derozan, Jakob Pertl, and what is going to be two second round picks. OG Ananobi. Still a Raptor. Pascal Siakam, still a Raptor. DeLon Wright, still a Raptor. The team he's coming into is tremendous to leave behind. Fifth in defensive rating, they add two defensive studs. This could be the best defensive team in the league, and they could still score because they still have shooters. They didn't have to send out all their shooters. Kawhi's going to come see elite young talent, a stud point guard in Kyle Lowry, who is an absolute... uh, Bulldog's the one I'll always go to because I can't think of a better one at this exact second. But that's the one. I am deliriously excited about this one. I can't believe how great it is. Because the Raptors, in my mind, they trade a top 25 player. They get back a top 5 player. I love it. It is an MVP caliber ad. At TSN 1050 Radio, we're asking, Hey, Toronto, how do you feel about the Raptors acquiring Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. This is stunning. The results of this are beyond stunning. Uh, Joe, when you put this post you put this post up at TSN 1050 Radio, you did not expect these results, did you? You expected this to be weighted one way more than the other. I did. When it first went up for the first like 20 minutes, we were at like 72% love it. He's an MVP caliber ad. And then the other 28%, you know, hated DeMar is Toronto. And that's kind of where I thought it would go. And I kind of wasn't paying attention to it for a little, came back, and it's 56% love it and 44% hate it. Hate it! Listen, I looked at DeMar's Twitter account, and he has this pinned tweet that says, Don't worry, I got us. And that was almost a month, almost a month, uh, three weeks to the day of today. It was June 28th, 2010, and that was when Chris Bosch left the Raptors. And DeMar DeRozan did what he said he would. And is there an emotional attachment? Yes. But... We should not be in the business of having emotional attachments to players and teams that lose. We as fans should enjoy things that allow us a chance to win. And I think that's what's happening here. Fans are falling in They fell in love with DeMar because he's an awesome person. And he's been great for the organization. But like you said, let's not kid a kid. Kawhi Leonard oh. is an unbelievable talent. And if he's okay to play here, then I don't see what the problem is. And they were able to get Danny Green, which is also insane, yeah. and they didn't lose much. There's something special about DeMar, right? Because 
Vince Vince left. Vince was well. Let's start off. Damon Stoudemire was our guy. Damon Stoudemire left. Vince was our guy. Vince put us on the map as Raptor fans. He put us on the map. That dude hung from his elbow on the rim at the dunk contest wearing a Raptors jersey. It's over. It's over. He put us on the map. He went to his graduation. We didn't get to the Eastern Final. He put us on the map. And it was cold. And then Chris Bosh. I don't know if Chris Bosh... I don't know if people think as highly of Chris Bosh as they need to because that dude's going to the Hall of Fame. And I don't know if people if people buy that because he was he was he, I mean he was number 1 in in Toronto and he was the third banana on the Miami team, but that dude's going to the Hall of Fame. DeMar DeRozan he all these guys left. He wanted to stay. And yes, they can offer him the most money. He never Oh, he, he, he's from L.A. He went to USC. He's going to go. He never seemed to want to go. And whatever he, he and Kyle saw, found in each other, they seemed like the best of buddies. Matt Cause was saying it earlier. The best of buddies. And Kyle wanted to stay. Whether Kyle had other options, again, whatever. They both wanted to stay. They both loved Toronto. They embraced Toronto. DeMar had a little coming out last year where he said, hey, I, I struggle with, with mental illness. Or like, mental, mental illness is, is the wrong term. I suffer with, with, with depression, anxiety. Yeah, depression, I believe. Yeah, and you're like, wow, that's really, that's very, that's 2018. Like, this, this, guy's, this guy's deeper than, than a lot of that, what we think a lot of athletes are. And he means a lot to Raptor fans. And uh, as, was it Terrence Ross put on Twitter? Yo, you need to make a statue of that guy one day. Okay, maybe. I disagree. I, but he's an important... You can't, you'll never tell the story of the Raptors without DeMar DeRozan. It'll be when the Wikipedia article, whenever it's updated, the DeMar DeRozan years will definitely be a thing. It's his era, and he was, I would say, he's a catalyst for what Masai Ujiri was trying to build when he came to Toronto. He wanted to create a situation like San Antonio where it didn't make sense why people wanted to stay, but people wanted to stay. Players wanted to be here. And DeMar proved that. But to as with all due respect to how great DeMar DeRozan is and was for the Raptors, Vince Carter is the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. 100%. Just because he wanted to leave and it was a negative exit doesn't change the fact that Vince Carter oh. is a better player than DeMar DeRozan. But DeRozan... He captured Toronto, and that's what we've always loved in this city. That's why players like Ty Domi have always caught you know, our love and Wendell Clark and all these players that kind of almost are a great example of how our city is. Yeah. And that's, I think, what's hurting everybody that's a huge Raptors fan. But you can't discredit the fact that you're getting an MVP caliber uh. player. And to your point, top three, top five player in the league. Yeah. He could be MVP of the league. In the next three years. Absolutely. And DeMar was never going to be. I thought it was... I didn't think he was second team All-NBA. I thought the improvement of the Raptors was not him because his numbers took a step back. They they changed. So to me, DeMar didn't have the season he had last year, yet he ranked higher in the All-NBA, which I didn't get. I, I'm not the biggest DeMar fan. We'll go over that more as we go along. But uh, he is an important piece in the Toronto Raptors history. That is for sure. Will Grave, GolfChannel.com, talking British Open, the Open, if you will, coming up on Toronto Today. 11.40 on Toronto Today, TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the TSN app, iHeartRadio app, however you're with us, 
Certainly appreciate you joining us this uh, almost afternoon. I Literally, I woke up at 2.30 this morning. I have no idea why. I went to bed at 11 p.m., woke up at 2.30, and it's one of those ones where I went, oh, I'm not getting back to sleep. So I watched five hours of CFL, and then I came in to do some radio and watch the Kawhi Leonard thing explode. And if I happen to be doing that tomorrow, wake up at 2.30, I will catch tons of the British Open. It'll always be the British Open to me. I can't stop saying the British Open because the Open, I get it, but I just, whatever reason, I can't stop doing it. But it will be very interesting to see Mark Zucchino on with us yesterday talking about how dry and hot it's been and just how the how the balls are just going to roll and roll and roll and roll. Uh, there's nothing like golf majors. Will Gray, the GolfChannel.com staff writer, joins us. The Golf Insider, brought to you by Subaru. Summer nights made for Subaru. With lease rates from 0.5% at your local Ontario Subaru dealer, Subaru. Confidence in motion. Will Gray, thanks so much for joining us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Derek. Good to be talking to you. All right. Last, I remember 1999 at Carnoustie. Can you still hear, I believe it's Mike Tarico's voice saying, he hit it in the burn. That runs through my it's mind the all the time. I, I know. It's, it's an iconic golf memory. Even, even non-golf fans kind of remember the time that the crazy Frenchman gave away the, the tournament on the last hole there. I'm surprised they haven't put some sort of plaque in the middle of the berm when he hiked his pants up there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big story when it came back to Carnoustie in 2007, and here we are 19 years later. We're, we're still talking about it. And kudos to Jean Vandeveld, who's on site this week. He's hanging out in the media center. He's answering questions. Not a day has gone by where someone hasn't asked him about that, that hole and that tournament, and he's answered them all with a smile on his face. No way. That is a, that's outstanding. That's a guy who gets it. That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you ever see the? Did you ever see the follow up to his seven on eighteen, where they they someone took a camera and said, "Can you play this hole with a putter?" And he actually shot a six. I did. Yeah, he made, <laughs> he made, a, he made a good putt for a six. There would have taken that six back in the day. He's walking up the fairway. Got to get a six. Got to get a six. And he got a six with a putter when a when a six would have won him uh, the open. Uh, I want to ask you about this year's tournament. And to me. Dustin Dustin Johnson is currently the betting favorite. Jordan Spieth seems like a real interesting character going into this one. With I mean, he had a great Masters, but he's missed two cuts in a row, and his best finish since then I think is tied for twenty first. Where do you see Spieth heading into this tournament? Where's Where's he at? What's going wrong for him? Uh, I think that Jordan Spieth has some issues between the ears right now, uh, and between the ears and with the putter, to be specific. Uh, it's amazing to think that, that coming off his open victory last year at Royal Birkdale, and it was such a stunner that we'd be sitting here a year later, and he still hasn't won a golf tournament since then. Uh, for a player of his caliber, even a 12-month drought is a drought with a capital D. And, and it's a little surprising, and it seems like the, the further along it's gone this summer and the, the more times he's tried to flip the switch and he's come up empty, the more frustrated he's become the less it takes for him to kind of start to get a little twitchy and start talking to himself and and it starts to spiral in the wrong direction maybe coming back to a tournament where he is the defending champ and has some great memories from last year is going to be the spark that he needs because we all know it, it doesn't take much of a spark for jordan spieth to start rolling in those 15 20 50 foot putts and running back up the leaderboard but outside of that final round at the masters it has been a surprisingly disappointing 2018 for spieth 
I help me out here. I seem to remember sitting on the Sports Center set and talking, throwing out some stats. This would have been a year or two years ago about how Spieth under twelve feet putting just was was the best in the world and and one of the maybe the maybe it was the best ever. I'm I'm obviously trying to piece this together in my mind, but there was a time where he was he was automatic with the putter. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and his bread and butter was more like the mid range stuff, the twelve, fifteen, twenty foot putts that maybe tour players make 8% of the time, and he's rolling in 15% of the time. And it doesn't sound like much, but it translates to a whole lot of birdies when you look at a scorecard. And right now, he's not making those putts, but he's also missing from short range. You saw at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock especially, he's missing you know two-footers, three-footers, some putts that really shouldn't phase a, a professional of his caliber. And I think that does go to the fact that it is a little bit, it's, it's half art and half science right now with the putter, that he's got some mental issues that he's trying to overcome. He's mentioned that there have been some alignment things he's trying to fix. Now he says they're fixed, but they're bleeding into his, his full swing. So it, it's a lot more questions than answers right now for speed. Dustin Johnson, the betting favor for this one. Who do you like? Who, do you, who are you leaning to or will you keep an eye on and think, okay, day four, he's going to be in the final group? Well, it's hard not to start with Dustin Johnson, right? If, it, if it's firm and fast and browned out and he's going to already hit 350-yard drives. Now maybe he's hitting 450-yard drives. These guys are going to are going to put up some eye-popping totals off the tee just because the ball is going to run forever, basically until it gets into the rough or until it gets into one of the pot bunkers that are are lined around there. So, so DJ is a guy who has been close at this event before. He finished second back in 2011. So I think he's certainly a worthy favorite coming off of uh, a third-place finish at the U.S. Open, where everyone was kind of ready to give him the trophy at the halfway point. But another guy I look at is Justin Thomas. He does not have the best links record. He hasn't played that well in the Open, but he you know, reached number one in the world rankings earlier this year. He's a very complete player, won the PGA Championship just last year. I think there's still a little bit of JT that's trying to emerge from Jordan Spieth's shadow, and I think that a big result this week could go a long way to doing that. Will Gray, GolfChannel.com staff writer, joining us on Toronto Today. I saw a quote from Tiger Woods. You talk about 400-plus yard drives from Dustin Johnson. Tiger saying, uh, this was a quote of his, you don't have to be long to play on a Lynx course. And I thought, okay, I don't know nearly enough about golf to know if that's, if that's the truth or if Tiger's just saying something to make 42-year-olds feel good. Is, is, is he telling me the truth there or is it, is it some fudging? Now it's pretty pretty truthful from a guy that's won three open titles before. He knows his fair share of Lynx golf, and it is a lot more of of a soft science uh, when it comes to Lynx golf. Where you sometimes, if the wind kicks up, you're hitting the five iron 120 yards, and if it's going the other direction, you're hitting that same five iron 250 yards. And so it's a lot about who can control the ball flight, who can control their spin, and who can keep the the ball out of some of those nasty pot bunkers, which basically turn into a half a shot penalty for these guys. It's going to be interesting that. There's a split in strategy right now. You have guys like Dustin Johnson and Rory and John Rahm who say, I, even though it's firm and fast, I'm going to hit driver, and I'm just going to try and airmail all of the trouble. And then there's other guys that are going to lay back with irons off the tee, and they're going to try and just thread the needle and keep it in the fairway and go from there. Uh, I, I think the general consensus is that one of those strategies is better than the other, but no one really knows which one it is. You've got <laughs> elite players on both sides of the fence, so everyone's really interested to see how this is going to play out between the bombers that are just going to try and fly it over all the pot bunkers and the guys that are going to try and maybe play a little bit more strategy with the irons off the tee. Uh, just as an aside, what's it like seeing live someone hit one 400 yards? I can't even, my it head is, would explode. 
Yeah, it, it is very different, especially when you, you see him land at about 260 or 280, and then the ball is just running out. You know, We've seen quotes this week from guys that say that the, the fairways are running faster than the greens in terms of the stint meter. That maybe the greens are like a 9 or a 10, <laughs> and the fairways right now are a 12 or 13. That is how baked out this place is after several weeks of really no rain, which is a rarity, as we know, in this part of the world. But every now and then, you know, it seems like once a decade we get one of these browned-out open championships. You think back to 2006 when Tiger won at Royal Liverpool. It's going to be something similar to that, I think. And uh, a little bit of, of different is, is pretty good sometimes. Yeah, most times when I flip on uh, the open at like 5 a.m., I wonder why would anyone subject themselves to this wind and this rain and they're wearing three sweaters. And I, uh, this, I, I'm excited to see one that will not be like that. Yeah, it'll be certainly a little bit easier on the eyes, but then you're going to wake up and put on your TV and you're going to wonder if maybe you didn't pour enough coffee because you're going to see the screen is all, yeah. it's going to be just a brown field with, with green on the greens and that's about it and it's going to make for a very interesting test for these guys. As you can imagine, we have a million Tiger Woods highlights, I mean, all season long on, on SportsCenter and we'll have, we'll have Tiger Woods post and, you know, he'll, he'll look really good for uh, a round, he'll look really good for the first 15 holes of a round and then he'll say afterward, yeah, you know, it just, my putting just kind of fell apart and on 16, 17, 18 and, and that's why I didn't do better. And I thought, okay, that, that's kind of a reason why Tiger's not doing better, but is it, that's golf. That's what we all hate about golf in addition to the stuff we love it. Is Tiger any closer to, uh, you know, a, a victory in this, in this comeback? Yeah, I think that what you're explaining is the Tiger is mortal once again. Exactly. For years he didn't he didn't have to deal with all the the issues that everyone else deals with in the game of golf, even among the pro ranks. Uh, I, I think he's close. I think that you know each week it would it might surprise you to say yeah he's absolutely going to win this week, but would it surprise you if he wins this year? No, probably not. And he has said that this is probably the the major that he has the best chance to win. Just because the Lynx golf, as he said from, from the quote that you referenced, it, it plays into his strengths of getting a little more creative and controlling the ball, and you don't need to just bomb and gouge it as you do with maybe a PGA Championship or, or certainly a U.S. Open. So I think that he's got a pretty fair chance. I think it might be a better chance at a course like St. Andrews where he has won two times before, but you know, it's been a little bit of whack-a-mole with Tiger where everything works well except for the putting, and then he fixes the putting and he can't hit a wedge, and he fixes the wedge, and he can't find the fairway with a driver. And so he's had all of the pieces at different parts of the year. He hasn't put them all together just yet, but there's still a thought that maybe on a very different length layout, on a major championship, maybe this could be the week. I certainly expect him to have a good week. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's going to win. Before I let you go, uh, I want to ask you, Brooks Kepka, U.S. Open champion, uh, how do you think he will fare? Or how does he look coming into this event? Uh, I think he's well-rested. He did not play between the U.S. Open and the Open last year, and he finished sixth at Royal Birkdale. This year he played at the Travelers, and then he went uh, to a a buddy's bachelor party. He had a a little bit of a a brocation, and he said that he has touched the club three times since then. So that's an upgrade off of last year in terms of the reps. Uh, Clearly he is a guy who does not get phased by much on, on or off the course. Very cool customer. And as last year showed, he has the ability to play some of these links layouts. He's a guy that, that came up on the European tour, on the Challenge Tour, which is their minor leagues over there. That's kind of where he got his start as a pro. So, you know, you never – we weren't really talking a lot about Brooks Kepka before the U.S. Open, and then he went and won it again. So he deserves a little bit more discussion this time around, and I would not be surprised if he's on the leaderboard come Sunday. I need more brocations. That sounds good. 
That sounds like a good hey, time. It, it seemed to work for him, yeah. Uh, William Gray from GolfChannel.com. Will, thanks so much for your time. Very much appreciate it. Enjoy the tournament. All right. Good talking to you, Derek. Yes, the Open starting tomorrow. Well, let's see. As I do quick math, what is it, 14 hours from now? It will be live on your television on TSN, uh, the Open Championship. That's fantastic. Thanks to Will Gray, staff writer for GolfChannel.com. I, I don't buy... Tiger Woods. I just don't buy it. I loved every bit of, you know, the first incarnation of Tiger. Played his first tournament here in Toronto uh, when he was, what was it, 1996, I think, university, trying to get accreditation to, for the Ryersonian newspaper. They're like, yeah, are you joking me? And then they hung up because no chance. We were getting accreditation for his, his first big tournament. But I don't buy it. I've... I've said to Laura Dykin, my partner in Sports Center, he will not win before the end. I said before the end of next season, no chance. Just, and it's just because, oh, it's if it had gone better on those three holes, I, I would have, you know, I would, I would have been in contention. But yeah, if I'd done better on those three holes, I would have shot ninety. But instead, I put up twelve, twelve, and eleven, and I, I'm kicking myself. He, he's fallen to the trap of every other golfer, and forty-two. 42 is not 22 or 27 or 32. These all these other guys. So I I I don't know I don't buy it. Are you buying it? Let me know if you're buying it. At DT on SC, you can get me on Twitter. I'm just I'm just not buying Tiger Woods. If he never won again, I wouldn't be 100% surprised. It was a great ride while it lasted, but I mean so many injuries and so many problems, but I can guarantee you whatever he does, whatever great shots he does, we will have them for you on SportsCenter. We'll be talking about them right here on TSN 1050 because you know what? He's still Tiger Woods. Kawhi Leonard, the Toronto Raptors acquiring Kawhi Leonard. I still can't tell you how excited I am about that. Bobby Marks of ESPN, their front office insider, will join us in the 12 o'clock hour, break down the Raptors' options, Kawhi's options for the offseason. Can he really pass up $50 million that the Raps could offer him? That's all coming up on Toronto Today. On TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and the iHeartRadio app.